Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, Jesus was always aware of people's needs. He met them where he lived. He walked in their towns with them. He saw their searching. He saw their spiritual poverty. He saw the devastation in their life that was caused by sin. Verse 936, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us of the heart of Jesus Christ. He was aware of people's needs and met them where they were. He could see how sin had devastated their lives, and he had compassion on them, not judgment. He looked upon them with compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. How do you view the sinful world you live in, with judgment or with compassion? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, Why Church? Communicate the Good News. Communicate the good news to everyone, everywhere. That's what we're about. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do we have to go and communicate the good news? Why don't people just walk into the church and go, I'd like to be a Christian? I mean, why don't they? See, it seems like If we're living the light we should and we're light and we're salt and and we're excited about serving Jesus Christ and you are because his plan for you is incredible and he's doing great things. It would seem if we're around people and they see that there'd be no need to have people come to church to even have to invite them. They just find their way here. But very few people do that. You want people to come to Christ without having to hit a wall. Many of those things can be solved by Christ without the wall. So why don't people just walk in? Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Keep going back. Keep going back. You're already in John. Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You need to understand why people just don't walk into church and automatically become a believer in Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says, The God of this age, which is Satan, there is a real Satan, has blinded the minds of believers or unbelievers. There's only two kinds of people in the world. People that are believers in Jesus Christ and follow him. 
And people that don't really believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, they may say they do, but they don't follow him. So there's only two kinds of people, believers and unbelievers. Now, the unbeliever responds to Satan. And what does Satan do? You see right there, he blinds what? Their, their minds so that they, circle this word, cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People are blinded by Satan to the truth. And because of that, they remain empty and and lonely and guilty. They're afraid to die. They're perishing, but they don't know it. They're blinded to the truth. Now, here's a verse in in 1 Corinthians. It makes this exquisitely clear to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, New Living Translation. But people who aren't Christians, there's either Christians and non-Christians, believers, unbelievers, can't understand the truths, can't understand the truths from God's Spirit. So as I teach the word today, if you're not a believer, you might, it may make sense to you, but spiritually it doesn't make sense at all. What do you mean, unbeliever? What do you mean, hell? Come on. Are you kidding me? It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the spirit, when you become a Christian, the spirit comes in you, can understand what the spirit means. So the reason people, they'll be listening to Billy Graham and he'll talk about, you know, you need to come to Christ. And he goes, what is that? I don't need to come to Christ. And so what do we have to do? See, the goal of Satan is to keep people's eyes blinded. That's his goal. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. He is the one that blocks the truth from people's eyes. So my goal is to go to the unbeliever with the good news. And often this is just going to be a process of time. Not many people, there are some, but not many people come to Christ the first time they're presented the gospel. Because it doesn't make sense to them. So behind the scenes, I need to be praying for God to do one thing, open their eyes. I can't open their eyes. You can't open. It's supernatural. All of a sudden, the blinders come off, as we saw with the Apostle Paul, and they go, I get it. I'm a sinner. God loves me. It's free. He wants to change my life. I'll take it. Now, if your eyes aren't open... That doesn't make sense to you. We'll have thousands of people at the football games. Go, go. But they'll be out there and they'll be cheering like crazy for a football game that really in eternity means nothing. But their walk with God is non-existent because they're blinded to the truth. It just, it just doesn't make sense. So that's why people just don't walk into this door and go, I'm ready to accept Christ. They don't get it. Our goal is to go to them and ask God to change them, to open their eyes. And we don't do that in front of them. You don't go to somebody and say, I'm praying for you right now. God's going to open your eyes. You see these truths. They don't understand that. You don't beat little people. We all were blinded at one point, dead in our sins, as Ephesians 2 says. Now, so why the commands? Turn back to Matthew 28. Let's talk about two commands that Jesus gave before he left. We've already read one. There's two commands and there's two promises. If you're a Christian, these two commands, well, they're for you and they're for me. Matthew 28, first command for you to write in your notes is this. Command number one, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is the first command. It's a mandate. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. The promise that goes with that in these verses, here it is, the next thing. You can write it down. The promise. Jesus says, I'll be with you 
with my power and my authority until the end. In other words, as you go, I'll always be a part of that going. See, if I go in my own strength, it isn't going to happen. So when you and I go, we go in his power and strength. Look at it. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them, to his disciples, and he said this, all authority. Authority is simply delegated power. He says, I have all authority in heaven and earth, and it's been given to me. And now, basically, he says, I'm going to give it to you. Remember, God's power always, always, always defeats Satan. So God's power can unlock hard hearts, open blinded eyes. Then in verse 19, we already read it. Therefore, here's that word again. Go and make, circle this word, we'll be back to it in a moment, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything, in other words, all, I've commanded you, teach them all, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is known, we already told you, as the great commission. He's commissioning you to go. It is a command beyond evangelism. Look back at the verse. It doesn't say this. Go into all the world and make converts. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say go into all the world and make church members. Go into all the world and make worshipers. No, it says go into all the world and make disciples. It's not enough to make a convert, which is a baby Christian, and then say to the baby Christian, have at it, go on your own. No, every convert is as simply as a baby Christian and it must be taught to know and obey God's word. That's why you're here this morning. That's the goal of Jesus is to take a convert and make them a disciple. It's a process that never ends in our life. Now, the main verb in those three verses, the main verb in the Greek text, there's a main verb that drives the sentences. The main verb is make disciples. But I'm not going to focus on that this morning. There are other verbs. The verb I want to focus on is this, go. Go. So, first thing you want to write is this. If we are going to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere, we must go. We must go. You must go. Get out of your comfort zone and go. That has to be the very first thing that's going to take place in our life. Now, in these verses, some interesting things. As we go... If you look back at those verses, you see four alls, A-L-L-S. It says all power and authority. In other words, nothing can defeat the power of God. It says I'm to go to all nations. God can change any person from any nation. As I go, I'm to take all the commandments of God, all of them, the power of God in all of his word. That's what we teach here. And then it talks about to the end of this very age or every day. All the days of my life, Jesus is with me, he's with you. Now, so the first command I have is to go. Get out of my comfort zone, go, take the good news to people who are blinded by the enemy. I'm to go. Well, there's a problem. Jesus knew that the disciples couldn't go in their own strength. So Jesus gives us a second command that's intrally linked to the first. Turn with me, Acts 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. So there's another command that enables you and me to carry out this first mandate, the Great Commission. 
Jesus said, basically to his disciples by this command, when you get there, you can't accomplish what I want you to do unless you have the power of God. So the command, you can write in your notes, is this. Before you go, wait to be empowered. Before you go, wait to be empowered. In other words, Jesus is going to remind the disciples when he started his ministry, before he did his ministry, in Matthew chapter 3, we're told that he was filled with the Spirit of God. He couldn't do it in his own strength. He was filled with the Spirit of God. So he says to his disciples, you're taking over for me. You can't do it in your own strength. I don't care if you got a doctor or divinity degree. Nothing wrong with that. You can't do it in your own strength. You have to be filled with the power of God. And what is the promise? That's the command. What's the promise? Take a look at this and write it down. The promise, and you're going to read it in the verse here in a moment, is this. You will be empowered. You will be empowered to change the world. In other words, if you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, somebody came to me after the first service and said, I just need God to empower me. I prayed for it right there. Will he? Well, certainly. The book of Luke says if we ask him for a good gift, he's a great father and he'll give it to us. He wants us to be empowered. Now let's read verse 1-8 in Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be the most dramatic dancer in the church anyone has ever seen. Is that what it says? Or you will be, man, you talk about holy laughter. You will be a laughing hyena in the church. Or, and notice, you see, here's the dichotomy. There are many churches today that say we don't need the power of God anymore. Can you imagine that? You know why they say that? Because of the weirdness on the other end. But Jesus, don't ever forget this. He says, I want you to have my power to do one thing, witness. What's a witness? You go and tell. You go and tell. A witness is a person that goes and tells. By the way, the original word in the Greek is not witness. It's martyr. Go and die for me. Whoa. That's exactly right. And by the way, for the original 12, did that happen? Yes. Is it still happening today? Absolutely. You mean I could die for going? Jesus did. His disciples did. The world is still doing it. They mean business. So he says, if you go, you'll be my witnesses to all the world, starting in Jerusalem, then going to all the world. Now, when you understand that, here's the sentence you want to write. If we're going to communicate, which is our fourth C, if we're going to communicate the good news to everyone everywhere, we must be filled with God's power. So we know that actually happened in the early parts of the New Testament church. Within 30 years, that whole world was impacted. Now, here's a problem. Well, Pastor Mark, it's nice to see that you're fired up about the Great Commission. The Great, by the way, I call verse... One eight, the great empowerment. You might want to write that in your Bible, the great empowerment. It's really nice that you're fired up. It's nice to know that you can communicate the good news to everyone everywhere. Actually, I think when you come back from being off a week, you get fired up. Please don't go again. <laughs> yeah. It's nice that you're fired up about the Great Commission, Pastor Mark. 
But what does that have to do with me? Are you kidding me? What does it have to do with you? It has everything to do with you, as it does me. Here's the last thing I want at the end of today's CT. Nice sermon, Pastor Mark. It was nice. It's very nice. It's very nice. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. It's very nice. There is a real heaven. There is a real hell. Every single set of eyes that you look into this week are people that will spend eternity somewhere. And you and I have been given a mandate from God when he opens a door to open our mouths and share the good news. So what? That's the reason our world is not turned upside down. Because we are too uninvolved with the great commission. We do not have the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. We have our own heartbeat. My stuff, my time, my vacation, my traveling, my business, my furniture, my house, my hobby. That was never the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. All those things are fine. So I want to share with you today... Five things that God wants you to do, and he wants me to do. I'm the same ship you are. We begin, turn to John chapter 4. You've been there before. You can just sneak back a few chapters. John chapter 4, first of all, number one, open your eyes. Open your eyes. John four thirty four. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Do not say four months and more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You see, Jesus took spiritual work as a priority. You remember the passages comes from, I don't have time today. Jesus was headed back up north. He went through Samaria Jews didn't ever go through Samaria. He met a woman at the well. Adult males, especially rabbis, would never talk to a woman. Jesus stops. He shares with her the plan of salvation. He goes. He shares. He seeks out. She accepts the Lord. She goes into town. All these people come back. The town is turned upside down because Jesus stopped. He missed a meal. And when the disciples brought him the meal... He said, you know what, I love to eat, but I just was able to win a woman to the Father. And that brought me more satisfaction than the greatest meal. You see, guys, our satisfaction doesn't come from a full stomach. It comes from a full spirit. You are first spirit, soul, and body. The world is is body and soul oriented. Not you, not me. Look at your life. Don't be driven by the temporary stuff. Everything we have in our life is temporary except people, everything. And Jesus says, not about food. He said, I looked at this woman and I know I was here. I opened my eyes and I saw the need. Number two, turn with me to Matthew 936. Matthew, you've been there. Number two, CCM, 
Opening our eyes is not enough. Open your hearts. You see, Jesus was always aware of people's needs. He met them where he lived. He walked in their towns with them. He saw their searching. He saw their spiritual poverty. He saw the devastation in their life that was caused by sin. Verse 936, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus was known for his compassion. Do we look at people and see that they're tossed to and fro? With Jesus Christ, always, he turns darkness into light. You've come to the right place. Jesus can meet your need. Recently, I read an article about the 10 surprises of the unchurched. The unchurched in the article, they did a survey throughout the United States. Unchurched were defined as this, people that don't go to church more than three times in a year. Look at number eight, surprise. The unchurched would like to develop a real and sincere relationship with the Christian. That's a surprise. Let me read on. It said this in the article. After talking with unbelievers who had impact from believers like you and I. Here's what they said. Most of the unchurched can easily tell the difference between drive-by evangelism and a person who really cares. Let me read you this quote. Here's a quote from a lady. I scratched the name of the church out because it's not important. I had some people come to see me from a church just three blocks from my home. They just wanted to spill their presentation and move on. But I would have been happy to talk with them for a long time if I thought they really cared. Have we gotten to the place that when we share the gospel, and we know we should, have we gotten to the place where we just mark it down on the old belt, hey, share it another time. What is that? This is not about notches on our spiritual belt. This is on the heart of God. The heart of God. Do you understand that? It's the heart of God. It's not about the four spiritual laws being presented in a can relationship. So that's why the Y Church, it's outside the building. It's a place where you and I go to the marketplace. It's a heart. And this surprise to me was that many of these people outside of here would love to talk to you if you cared. Now, we know it's often going to be a long process before they come to the Lord. That's okay. But if we really care for them, then they're ready to go. You see, the greatest form of selfishness is to go to heaven alone. Do you understand that as part of the church, God has commanded us to go and make disciples? Not only are we under command, but God has equipped us as well. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenged us to be communicators of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because God has called us and empowered us, he challenged us to open our eyes and hearts to see the harvest. Are your eyes and hearts open? Thanks so much for joining us today. 
Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Pastor Mark has been challenging us with some important principles related to communicating the gospel. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, he continues to challenge us to do some things. After opening our eyes to see the harvest and opening our hearts in compassion, we should then open our mouths to speak the good news. The gospel is to be proclaimed. And then, if we will offer our lives, we will see God do great things. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. See